Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, Why does Paul mention a number of Christians who send greetings to the Corinthian church? Because there's something special when you visit a foreign country and you either go into a home church or a church service. When you go in there, you see people all over the world worshiping the one true God. Remember, we have a hard time with this. There isn't a billion churches in the world. There's one body of Christ. Have you ever attended a church you've never been to before and the people made you feel right at home? It's quite an amazing thing. It's easy to forget that the Church of Christ isn't just one building or even one denomination. It's made up of every Christ follower in the world, in history. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance becoming more aware of your need to not be selfish today. You'll see the evidences of selfishness displayed in the Corinthian church and the changes they were advised to make. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 as he continues his message, Addicted and Refreshed. Sometimes we're not too good a people, are we? And it's hard. That's because of our sinful nature. So Paul is saying, you guys go back to Corinth. This is a very tough church for Paul. This is not easy for Paul. These were not easy people. But he says, you go back, serve them, be addicted to them. The talented Paul He had to have interactions with people. So what does God do? He's working this very difficult group of people. So God brings three wonderful servants to him. And notice what the word was. What did those three guys do to the Apostle Paul? They refreshed him. Sometimes we just need to be refreshed. Life is hard. And that's exactly what these men did. Now, Paul enjoyed this visit. Remember, he was a people person. He knew this, and you'll see that in the closing verses. He just mentions people after people after people. Now, this personal visit did a couple things for Paul. He was addicted to encouraging and refreshing others. Can I challenge you that with just be that? Be a person that refreshes others. I want you to see this verse I'm scooting down to in Proverbs. This is so important. Proverbs 11 says it like this. As you understand this, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, when you're around people that are generous and are giving and fun to be with, how many enjoy that kind of stuff? You just love them. 
if you get a call to come over to their house, you're like in the car right now, aren't you? You're headed over. Because it's going to be what kind of an evening? An enjoyable evening. They're fun to be. They're not takers. They're what? They're givers. And I just want to say, you guys are givers. Thank you. You're giving people. It's wonderful to be around. And when the elders and I get together and whatever, we have all kinds of fun and we take trips together. Some of the guys did over the weekend and stuff. It's just fun to be together because these are giving people. Paul just loved these guys. They came and yeah, he was having some tough times. Remember, Paul very often was by himself as he traveled. He always tried to get somebody, but sometimes, you know, at the top, he can get a little lonely sometimes. And so these men came and refreshed him. Now, that's what you and I like. Some of us have had maybe this experience already. You have an old hose outside, and you're going to go wash your car. And you're washing your car, and pretty soon there's a leak. And your car's getting wet, but who else? You. See, you refresh others, you get refreshed back. That's kind of the way it works sometimes. That's God. He knows how to do that. God knew the timing sent these three men back. And so it was wonderful. Now, notice, first they encourage him because they brought a financial gift that the Corinthian people should have given. He doesn't knock them. Notice what he says in that verse. Because you have supplied what was lacking from you. The church should have done it, but these guys just did it themselves. And so first they encourage him with his financial gift to help him with his needs in life. Then they encouraged him with their presence and their words. When we meet people, even in and out of church, saying hi, whatever, we can always be sensitive. I like to try to do that myself. Sometimes I don't. I'm just too busy, crazy too busy. But it's nice to be sensitive that when you're greeting somebody or saying hi to them, if you notice, maybe the Spirit will give you a spirit of discernment. Well, that person looks a little discouraged. Just stop and say a prayer with them. Encourage them, refresh them. So Paul, three things, money. Second, their presence, just coming because it took them time to come. And as that happened, it was a beautiful thing. And then, of course, their words. Remember, we know if we're merciful, what will we receive ourselves? Mercy, exactly. Now, thank you for being those encouraging people. Now, look at verse 19. Now, the churches in the province of Asia, and that would have been basically the Roman provinces like were now kind of part of Turkey, Ephesus, Colossae, Laodicea, those kind of churches. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings, one church to another. This is when we had the multi-campuses, one church, many churches. Here it is. And Aquila... And Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church, watch this, that meets at their house. Now, why does Paul mention a number of Christians who send greetings to the Corinthian church? Because there's something special when you visit a foreign country and you either go into a home church or a church service. When you go in there, you see people all over the world Worshiping the one true God. Remember, and we have a hard time with this. There isn't a billion churches in the world. There's one body of Christ. On the corner over here, back over here, another over here. Some of the things we won't agree with, but the main keys, if they're biblical, the main keys, that's all we care about. The rest of the stuff, we're all going to disagree about a few things. 
But the body of Christ is huge. So God has this huge church. And remember, as we look and we see things happening around our world, Jesus said this. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Don't worry about the church of Christ. It's going to be just fine. Why? Because of the head. He's already defeated Satan. So we can be encouraged. So when they would receive words from other churches, it was encouraged to them. It is a good thing when you visit around the world to go into another church. Two things happen. You encourage them, and I always get encouraged. I remember many years ago, Linda and I were in Japan, and we were visiting some friends there. We were just on our, man, it was quite a few years ago. It was our 25th anniversary. And we were just over in Asia, and we went in. And somebody asked me to speak in this little church. I think it was a Baptist church or whatever. Well, to walk in, I'd take my shoes off. Can't speak with the shoes on in the house. It's the first time I ever preached with my shoes off. And afterward, they had this amazing dinner. There was about 40, 50, 60 people there. And we just, in a house church, and we sat down and didn't know any of them. It was so special. Because what? We're going to be in heaven with them. I mean, it was amazing. Just to see the joy and singing songs that we had no clue what in the world they're saying. But you could tell the love of God. You see, that encourages us. We're not alone. We have this huge body of believers around the world. Now, Aquila and Priscilla, verse 19, greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church at Mies in their house. Now, what were they? Well, they were tent makers who Paul had met in Corinth. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens, and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So Paul began this amazing friendship with Aquila and Priscilla. And that kind of went through his whole ministry. Close friends are good. And they followed Paul then to Ephesus after he left Corinth, lived there with him. They began to teach other people. Apollos was one of those people that they taught and helped to kind of get him straightened out in his doctrine. We don't know all the details but in one of the passages, they say they even risked their lives for Paul. So Paul sends greetings from Aquila and Priscilla since he knew them well, and they were well respected in Corinth. Now notice the last part of that. Notice what Paul says. So does the church that meets at their house. Now in those days, there would not be a building like this. This came many, many, many years later before there were ever any kind of buildings like this. So there's two types of churches which are kind of represented here. Number one, corporate setting. One day Paul, as he was moving from city to city, he preached for a while and then the people, well, they didn't believe him. Here's what it says in Acts 19.9. Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took his disciples with him, had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. So Paul rented this big hall, it would have been like this, but he rented a big hall, and he taught every day from 11 to 4. 
Before and after, what did he do? He worked. Now there's a man addicted to ministry. His whole life was addicted to serving God. Now that would have been one of the bigger settings. That was not normal. Most of the groups would have been, as you just see here, a small group, a home group. What do we call them today? Community groups or study groups. It's a great thing. That's the second kind of church. They were addicted to serving people. So what did they do? When they did that, those churches, in fact, in those days, almost all of them would have been home settings. Number one, danger. When you go to China, as Lynn and I do often, what do we discover? Most of the churches that are really vibrant churches, by the way, most people think there's 100 million Christians in China, more than in the United States. Where do they meet? They meet at homes. They meet at home. We've been in many different homes in those kind of settings. It's just the way it is. It's safer. They can teach what they want. They know they're watched by the, the officials, but that's what they do. So most of the churches in many parts of our world today, because of safety, that's still where they meet. Not like this. We're fortunate to meet like this. I think this is important for all of us. Day after day, this is the early church. had gotten started. Remember the 3,000? In the temple courts, so they had some kind of a bigger setting in the corner where they could do stuff. And from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. What's the attraction in a church? Jesus is the attraction. I learned very young when I was teaching in high school and in college. I learned very young. Somebody said this. I think it was C.M. Ward said this. Get people as soon as you can to Jesus. He's the attraction and the answer for the church. He's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. So you know when we teach, often, obviously, you hear the word Jesus. Why? He's the answer. So that's exactly what they did. I read a book probably 30 years ago. It's a great book. Don't even know if it's out anymore. It was called this, Open Heart, Open Home. They were addicted to hospitality. Thank you for all of you that open your homes for the community groups. Open heart, open home. See, a lot of people say, well, I'm doing this and that and the other. No, if you're doing it, show me. You really love people? You really love that? Okay, show me. Open your house. And so many of you do. We have good friends, numbers of couples that we have fun with at their home and good cooks and all the rest of stuff. We just enjoy going to people's home because they love people and they love the Lord. Prove it. You know, in this day and age, we need a little more of that. Now, let's go on. By the way, where does most change happen? Spiritually? In a small setting. Doesn't happen here. Most ongoing change happens in a small setting because there's accountability, there's application of the Word of God. Look at verse 20. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss in those days was kind of a, was primarily a symbolic expression. It was kind of cultural, love, forgiveness, unity. It was carried over kind of from the Jews where a kiss was the normal greeting. Why the adjective holy? Well, it had nothing to do with sexual or romantic or whatever. So we're biblical in this church. I'm just going to ask you to turn to your neighbor now and give him a, well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. Some of you panicked already. So, What really happens today? What is it for us? It's kind of like a handshake 
or a high or whatever, kind of like that. So now look, verse 21. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. I said, Pastor Mark, what, what are you talking about? Um, if there was anyone addicted to ministry, it was Paul. He gave his whole life, day by day, hour by hour, to winning the lost, making disciples, planting churches. As he would do that, we really don't know all the deal, but maybe Paul did have that very poor eyesight. Maybe that was that thorn. We don't really know what it was. But most of his letters were dictated in those days to somebody who would write them down. Um, but here, at the close of a letter to one of the most difficult churches, people who he'd struggled with, had a hard time with, had to lovingly, remember, Ephesians 4.15, he had to speak the truth and love to them. He did that. They respected that. Here at the end with this letter, he gives it a personal touch. As difficult as it is for him, he's going to write his name, these last few words. Look at verse 22. If anyone, nice loving words here. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Literally, let him be damned. Then he ends with these words. Come, O Lord. Maranatha very common thing in the early church in those days. Lord, come. Come on back. Get us out of this mess. Could we say, come, O oh Lord, get us out of this mess right now tonight? Yeah. What was Paul saying? He's saying there's a judgment day coming. He's warning. God's coming back. There's a judgment day coming. Make sure you really love God. Remember that Paul, all these problems he had in the church, those existed, and many of those problems came from people who said they were believers, but they really weren't believers. They really didn't love God. Paul would say this in other ways. Look what he says to the Galatian church. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Now, what was Paul saying there? He knew that the enemy loved to dilute the word of God. He knew that the enemy would bring false teachers into, in fact, he said that to the elders at Ephesus. When I leave, man, there's going to be people rising up from within you and people from out coming in. So he's trying to protect the church. Notice what he says there. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Well, how do we know that we love the Lord? You're going to hear this from James. Say the very same thing this way. James says it like this. If you have faith, if you say you have faith, show me. Prove it. If there's a root of faith, show me the fruit. So what is Paul saying? Exactly the same thing. If you're really a believer, then prove it. And then you don't have to worry about the second coming. You don't have to worry about the rapture. You're going to be fine. But if you're saying it, and there really isn't anything there, by the way, then I'm afraid of you, because... You're going to work your doctrine in, which is not going to be biblical doctrine, and you're going to confuse the people. Paul always had that heart of pure doctrine. Notice, if anyone preaches any other good news, why would he say that? Because people were saying, no, you can be this, you can do this, you can... It's pretty much like we hear today. So Paul adds, those who do not love the Lord, 
Jesus himself said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty simple. If you love me. So he says, if you don't love God, if you're not keeping his commandments, then cursed be you. Now, what Paul is doing, he was kind of exhibiting his prophet gift. He had that little prophet gift. That prophet, remember that prophet? Just speaks it like it is. There's no gray in these kind of things. It's just like this. Get it right. Right doctrine, right practice. What is that? That's a heart of a shepherd. A heart of a true shepherd cares for the sheep. Not in a harsh way. You don't see this often from Paul. He's actually doing this, even though the words are hard. He's doing this in what kind of a way? A loving way. He's saying, God's coming back. Get right. Paul understood how deceptive Satan was. So what was Paul really saying here? Look at this. Be addicted or devoted to the truth of the word. Make sure it's truth and then do it. Remember when we were in John? Know the word. Do the word. Same thing in James. Know the word. Do the word. So he's making sure that what they know is truth, not some other gospel, truth, and then do it. That's the heart of a shepherd. That's what a shepherd's supposed to do. Teach truth, tell the people what it means, explain it to them, and show them how to apply it. That's what Paul is doing. Now look how he ends in his own writing, verse 23 and 24. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul was a guy big into grace. My love to all of you. In Christ Jesus, amen, so be it. So he started the book the same way, this book of correction, with grace. He leaves it with grace and love. Amazing balance. Personal note, Paul wants him to know, even though he's given some pretty strong things, rebukes, warnings, he loved them, he recognized them as being the body of Christ. Again, another wonderful picture of the heart of a true shepherd. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That's not easy to take, but that's good for us. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. If you go to a doctor, you want the truth. If you come to a church, you should want the truth. And when we give it, sometimes it's hard for all of us because the Spirit takes that word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it goes into the place, whoa, needs to be a little correction. See, that's love. That's not bad. That's good. That fire, that child's going to go into the fire. No, don't do that. That's love. That's what Paul ends with, love and grace. Today, Pastor Mark taught you about the value the Apostle Paul placed on having people working with him in his travels and teaching. You learned that it's the same way these days. God intended you to work with other people, not alone, when doing the work of his kingdom. You were reminded about how God's grace covers everything that you're involved in. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. We hope that this series stimulated your thinking concerning God's ability to give you solutions to the questions you might have. Also, we trust that you're challenged to remember that in the midst of all you might be doing for God, His grace should saturate all your actions. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a herd